Good evening, everybody. How are you tonight? Oh, I see. All right. Well, I've been in good communication with Steve and Stephanie Kelly. They call every Monday morning after cardiac rehab, and we talk together for an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Uh, so it's a, it's a good visit. We're on a, a thing called WhatsApp. It's an um, audio-video so we, we can see each other as we talk. That's it's really very good. One of the things that uh, we do from time to time is if we run across good books, we share them with each other. And uh, they had shared a book. It's called Bullies and Saints. It's a review of church history. And it's, it's, if, if you haven't had an opportunity to look at church history, um, I, I'd really like to encourage you to do that. But be strong in your faith before you do. Okay, Doug, they they voted on you tonight. Yeah. Well, look, there's always next week. Yeah. And since you since oh since you know what the deal is. (laughs) Anyway, welcome. We're glad to have you, brother. Um, <laughs> uh, well, those those things. Uh, having read quite a bit of church history and seeing some of the things that have been done, I, for a long time I scratched my head and said, "How? How could you even think that way? What what is it leads to think that way?" Uh, how, how you can do some of the things. Um, the crusade. Not sure I understand why that was so important, but um, once you've got someone that says, you know, if you go on this crusade, your sins will be forgiven forever. I, I promise to absolve you of all, all sin, just go on this crusade. And then when you see the things that they did, and on other crusades, when you see the, the, the children's crusade that never made it to the Holy Land because they were all captured and sold and turned to slaves and uh, by other believers on their way. I mean, it's, you just scratch your head and say, I don't understand why that is. But what it's done, it's caused me to uh, my, write my own little deal here. So let's have a word of prayer, and then I'd like to read this to you. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for letting us be here together tonight. We thank you for Glenda. We know that her visitation is going on even now as we are here together. We ask that you give the family a good um, visit with good family and friends. I know that they're going to be encouraged by the, the number of people who knew and loved her so very much and the comfort that's going to come from them. I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do for them tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Mike, you were going to check on the closing time for that. Did you guys go over there this afternoon? Closed at 8. Okay. 4, 4 to 8. 4 to 8. 4 to 8. All right. So what I'm going to try to do is see if I can shut up earlier so that if you wanted to go over to Curra's Funeral Home, you could for that visitation. All right. So here, here's what I came up with. If you lose the person, you lose the principle. You've got to know the person. Remember that Jesus Christ, it's about the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't separate them. You have to have the person and the work. Just someone dying for somebody else is not, I mean, that's, it's a good work, but it's not the right person. You've got to have the right person. And as John pointed out, you've got to have the right person in mind this way. You've got to be Jesus is God come in the flesh. Anything less than that is antichrist. So it's got to be Jesus is God come in the flesh. If you lose sight of that person, if that's not who you're thinking about, if you forget the person, you lose the principle. Then when you lose the principle, you lose the process. When you lose the process, you lose your purpose. When you lose your purpose, you move to perversion and even perdition. Now, let me see if I can describe what I mean by that. 
The person is the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God. You say, well, who would get confused about that? Lots of people have been confused about the Lord Jesus Christ. It looks like it took, took them about, the church, about 200 years to come up with a formulation about who Jesus is. That was hard for them to figure out because people had him in all kinds of things, that he wasn't divine, that he was just a good guy, That was one thing, so they lost his divinity side. On the other side, others said, well, he was divine. He just wasn't human. Well, that lost the human side of it. He is God come in the flesh, so he must be divine and he must be human. He can't be less than that. And you can't make him more than that, and there isn't anything more than God you can be. So um, others changed what the work of Christ was because they changed what the person of Christ was. So when they lost that person, um, the second principle is God creating a new people for the coming kingdom who live it here and now. If you don't realize who the person is and what he was all about, then you lose the principle that God is the whole reason we're here is that God is creating a new people for a coming kingdom who live it here and now. We, we are not having the kingdom here and now. Okay? Uh, we're, we're to live like the kingdom, but there were people who tried to establish the kingdom of God on earth without him. Well, you can't do that either. Um, popes in 1453, when Portugal and Spain were arguing over who gets, who gets to claim all the world, if you remember, the Pope made a line of demarcation which said, okay, here's the world, and Spain gets this side, and Portugal gets this side. The Pope said that? Yes. And why did he say it? Because he is the vicar of Christ. Vicar means in the place of. So as the one who's in the place of Christ, who owns the world? Christ. So in Christ's place, he was announcing that Spain can have this side, Portugal gets this side. Secondly, he announced that when you go and discover any new land, put your flag in the land, and that claims it for the church and your country. Make sure that if you see any people there, you give them a coin with the image of that country on it. If it's the king of that country, then you, and that will be the exchange so that if anybody else comes there, let's say France comes there, and France says, we've discovered this land also, and any residents show up there, the residents will show them the coin, and if it says Spain on it, then it can't be French. It's already been claimed for Spain. Everybody following that? Now, what they said was that if any of the people who live there won't convert to Christ, then you have the authority to enslave them or kill them. They are not residents. They are not owners of that land. They are tenants on Christ's land. And if they're just tenants on Christ's land, then you have a right to shove them off that land. It was called the Doctrine of Discovery. And it showed up right here in Illinois. There was a man, by the name of McIntosh, I think it was, um, came across the Appalachians as he came down the Ohio. He came into Illinois. And the Illini Indians owned, or that was their, their home. So he made a deal with them that he would purchase that land from them. He purchased it and was living there. Had a homestead and a whole bunch of the property there and all that sort of thing. Another man comes over. He sees the same land, and he took it. Well, McIntosh sued him. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. And was that time? I think Marshall was the, the Supreme Court justice at that time. He ruled in favor of the second man because the second man bought it from the government, and he had a deed for it. You know, he could show his deed for it. 
Macintosh bought it from the Indians. He can't have a deed from it because the Indians don't own it. How does he know they don't own it? The Doctrine of Discovery, all the way back in 1493, had already said no one living any place here who's not a Christian can own any land. All land belongs to Jesus. Are you, are you following where we're at with this? That was establishing the kingdom because you missed out on the person. You follow where I'm at? You're, instead of saying the person of Christ is the authority in this thing, and we don't have authority to divide the land up among ourselves, they went ahead and just simply said, he's the person and he's given us authority to divide it up, so we therefore divide it up. Now they've lost the principle. It isn't God creating people. It's not God creating for a kingdom to come. They're in the kingdom. They believe they were. And that has all the difference. To, uh, I mean, what makes all the difference there is that, that that church thought of themselves as replacing Israel. That Israel, because they had crucified Christ, had lost their opportunity to be the people of God, and God had transferred that opportunity to the, the church. And as the church, then, they could do anything they wanted to do. That's messing it up. Everybody follow where I'm at? Once you believe that you've got the power and authority to do anything that you want to do, you've lost the process. Now the process can be simply, as one pope had done, I absolve you of all your sins. I, I, I can't absolve anybody of their sin. You, you understand where we're at? I can't do that. The process is, Jesus can absolve you of your sins and him alone. It's faith in Christ and in him alone. It's his crucifixion and his resurrection. That's the process. So look at the process. This present life is a slow but determined process of being conformed to his image and moved away from the image of the world. That's what's going on with you right now. Every obstacle you come across, every challenge you come across, every sweet thing you come across, we are being conformed to the image of Christ. We're, we're not a people who are by accident. Everything that's going on in our life is to teach us how to think like Jesus, feel like Jesus, be like Jesus. Everything is happening that way. And we're getting every opportunity in any of those situations to change our mind about what that, that is, to start looking at now from heaven. What is it Jesus wants? Had opportunity to talk to a Jim Benwell today. And... Um, Jim, uh, I'm, well, I don't know what I can say and not say. I didn't, anyway, um, I, th I think it'll be okay. Jim Benwell had a heart attack, and he's had stents put in. Does everybody know that? Okay. Well, he's struggling with that. Why, why does God let that happen? And I'm saying, wait, 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 wait. Um, I just went through kind of the same thing myself. Uh, let's, let's make sure we understand. This isn't something God did to me. This is something I did to me. I did what I wanted to do. I ate what I wanted to eat. I knew that I was supposed to exercise, and I didn't. I knew there was sleep I'm supposed to have, and I didn't do it. What happened to me was a direct result of, ready for this? Me. I did it. I lived my own way, and it caught up with me. That's all it was. Did God know it was going to catch up with me? Yes. Did, did God want me to go through it? No. God would have preferred back here that I had stopped eating just one more sausage, you know, Oh, maybe maybe not nearly as much bacon this time. You, you understand where I'm coming from? So this is not something that God did to me. This is something I did. You want to see what God did to me? I'm standing here. That's what God did to me. When you, when you get the widowmaker blocked twice, one of them's 90 and one of them's 70, it's kind of an amazing thing. You're making it. You follow what I'm saying? Then when you got two, one on the right and one on the left that's doing the same kind of thing, it's an amazing thing. That's what God did to me. <laughs> Let me live. So what I, what I said then, Jim, what you have now 
is the opportunity to start thinking like Christ, start feeling like Christ. Quit complaining about where you are and take the time to see what Jesus wants done. Stop, stop being confused by it and start using thanksgiving. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You're not saying thank you for a heart attack. You're saying thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I'm here and I'm, and I'm conscious enough to know what happened. See what I'm saying? So everything that's happening to you, the, the, the people on the highway, look, look if, you're, if you're one of those drivers that does not like to be cut off and you, 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 you drive aggressively and militantly, and you're going to be the first one to get there, no matter what it is, no matter who you have to run over to do it, I can tell you the Lord Jesus Christ is going to give you plenty of cars who want to cut you off. Why? You've got a problem. You need to deal with the problem. Okay? Be angry and sin not. If you're angry because somebody cut you off, let me ask you this. Any of you ever been in a place where you needed to be someplace in a hurry Maybe it was the ER. Maybe it was, I, I don't know where it might have been. Do you ever believe that people should forgive you because without knowing you, you know you're on the way to the ER? And, and they should know that. You're, I mean, you're, you've got those rays coming out of your brain that says, I'm on the ER. I'm going to the ER. And that guy's going, whoa, somebody's going to the ER. Who could it be? Oh, you reckon it's that guy that just cut me off? So... What, what I'm saying is there are all kinds of things happening to us every day that are made to change us. We can either change or do it again. You can either spend one year in the wilderness or 40. What would you like to do? You, you understand where I'm coming from? So that's the process and the purpose. Why is he doing that? He is doing it to, that we should be the embodiment or incarnation of Christ on earth in his visible absence in faith and true holiness. That's what you're about. We're, we're supposed to look like Christ so that the world can see what Christ looks like. And if, and if all they're seeing is some of the things that we've done in history, that doesn't look so much like Jesus. So what happens? If you lose the person, you lose the principle. If you lose the principle, you lose the process. Now, if you lose the process, you lose your purpose. You don't really know what you're doing here. You don't understand what you're supposed to be about. And what does that do? That leads you to perversion. Perversion is to change the outcome of the process to the opposite of what was intended. Okay? Um, recent, uh, you know, it doesn't take very much to become a cult. It really doesn't take a whole lot to become a cult. Um, recently, there was a family was telling me about uh, a, a daughter that they had. They were concerned about the boyfriend of the daughter because the boyfriend uh, comes from a family that are one particular version only. Uh, every other version is from the devils, from hell. It's all all that sort of stuff. And I said, you know, I would like to advise your daughter to get away from there as fast as she can because that's a cult. No, 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 that's not. I, yes, it is. When they, once you get so far on that that this particular version corrects all the Greek versions, you have a problem. Um, but, well, anyway, didn't take much to create a cult. All it, all it was is to believe that one version of the Bible was more than all the others and you're excluding all the other things. Once you start believing one thing over another and you make that bigger than the person of Christ, now you've got a problem. There can't be anything in your life bigger than Christ. Once it is, you're, you've lost the person, you lose the person, you lose the principle, you lose the principle, you leave the process, you leave the process, you leave your purpose. When you leave your purpose, you're moving to perversion or perdition. Perdition is destruction. I mean, it's, it's just where... Um, there was a, an event in the Crusades when they finally broke through at Jerusalem in the first crusade, 1099. When they finally broke through in Jerusalem, they went on a, you can't call it much else than an orgy. Uh, it was a bloodbath orgy. That's all it amounted to. And they were, they were killing everyone. And blood, 
blood was running so thick in there you couldn't stand up. You were falling all the time because there's just that much of it there. Stunk. And so seeing the bloodlust that they had there started cutting off hands and then making stacks of hands, laughing about it. How, how, how do you do that? And I, I realize there are things that happen in a war situation that make you crazy. You, you, can, you can do crazy things. All I'm saying is they lost their purpose. They didn't know why they were here. And someone told them, this is your purpose. Go take Jerusalem. Nowhere can you find in anything that Jesus taught about taking Jerusalem. There, there's nothing about taking any land at all. There's not anything. It's just not there, guys. It's not in the teachings of Christ. So you miss the person, you miss the principle. You miss the principle, you're going to miss the process. You miss the process, you're going to miss your purpose. You miss the purpose, you're going to go into perversion or, per, um, anyway, perdition. How can you lose the person of Christ? Here's what we, I'm, I'm writing here for here. By losing one's focus that Christ is our life, that Christ is our life, okay? There's, it's, it's not the ethics of what we do. It's not the culture that we create. It's Christ himself. It's not the rules we follow. It's Christ himself is our life, okay? Uh, by no longer making known, making, knowing him the number one priority in one's life. If, if you lose the person of Christ so that he's not the most important thing and you're looking at something else as if it is, you're, you're losing your focus. By creating our own imagined image of him rather than the one found in the word of God. Uh, people have really changed what Jesus looks like and what Jesus is about uh, through just their imagination. and They make him be who they think he ought to be. By grieving the Holy Spirit through unbelief you can lose the person of Christ. By desiring what he can give one, not on knowing him for his own sake. When you start wanting more of what Jesus can give you than what he is, the greatest thing he can give you is himself. And if you're looking now to find some sort of prosperity and some sort of, so I'm, there I'm speaking of the prosperity gospel. If, if you're looking for Jesus to make you rich, you're, you're missing You've missed the person of Christ, and I know for sure you don't know your purpose. I know for sure you don't know anything anymore. Now it's perversion and perdition that you're on your way to. All right? <clears throat> By living routine tradition instead of fresh prayer and study of his word. Listen, we, we need to be those people who, because of our fresh study of, of, and prayer, we're, we're always looking and saying, oh, Jesus, I, I found this out about Jesus this week. This was really neat. Here's what God showed me about the Lord Jesus Christ this week. When that becomes number one to you, and that becomes the most important thing, it'll change your worship. Nobody will have to stand up and say, I don't like the way you look when you worship. Uh, you, you look dead. You look like you're not, not worshiping. If you come in, let's just say, any time that the body of Christ gets to be together, tonight, Sunday, whenever it is, always remember, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. You're not, I, I, I can't think of many times that we've actually had a worship service. And I don't, I don't mean that ugly. I just mean worship is not getting all happy. Matter of fact, every, every time you come to the scripture, you see somebody worshiping. Do you realize where they were? On their face. On their face. Because worship is the word for to bow, to, to, to break down. Moses, when he comes into the presence of the Lord, he's not, he's not going, Yahoo, man, this is really cool. Wow, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm, a, I'm, I'm here in the presence. No, he's on his face. He's hearing God say, take your shoes off, man. The ground you're on is holy ground. This isn't about getting all jubilant and all excited. It, that, if, if it's producing that in you, it may be the music. Okay? Probably not the presence of the Lord. So what I'm saying is, you enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's what you're starting to do. And now you're getting your heart in the place where you know you're here because of somebody else. If you're giving thanks to the Lord, you say, thank you, Lord, for getting us here safely. Boy, that was great. It wasn't just you got in your car and drove here and, and expected to be here. You got here safely. And God brought you here. Another day went by in which you got here in your vehicle without being killed. 
you understand what I'm talking if, if, you, if you've got enough to breathe, thank you, Lord, for lungs to breathe with. Because if you've ever had a respiratory problem, you know how valuable it is to breathe. So thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to breathe. Um, as I was in the hospital, I could, all I could think was, uh, I am so grateful for mobility. The, the, the ability to get around, to go from one place to another, to have a vehicle to go in, to, to, what a wonderful, wonderful gift that is. And, and when I get to talk with uh, Steve and Stephanie, I, I think what a wonderful gift this is. Sometimes they were in Bangladesh when we were talking. Sometimes they were in America when we were talking. I couldn't tell the difference. It was just like being there. Matter of fact, it was second to second. You, you understand? That's an amazing thing. That all is passing through the air, guys. Air. Pictures passing through the air. Words passing through the air. I'm seeing facial expressions that came through a lot of air. When they're in Bangladesh, think how much air that's got to pass through. What an amazing scene. Thank you, Lord, for that. You, when, when we come, we start with Thanksgiving. What Thanksgiving will do will roll over into praise. You thank him for what he's done. And now, what kind of a person does that? That's praise. Now I'm starting to think about what a gracious God that is does that, what a merciful God that does this, what a wonderful, long-suffering God who lets me continue to breathe even when I don't earn the right to breathe. You, you, you follow what I'm coming? You're, you're looking, you now you're praising him for what he is. Once you've come to praise, the scriptures say God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. That means he gets involved with you when you're praising. Up to this point, that's been you seeking him. Thanksgiving, praise, that's you seeking him. Worship comes when he inhabits those praises and says, yes, yea, verily, that's true. And now you're ready to worship. Does that make sense? It, it, it does, well, anyway, you got you to keep the process. All right. Um. By not abiding in him with his word abiding in us, by living by the self-effort of the old man, by putting principle over person. Chapter 38 said, That I may know him. As the author states, when offering the reason he has written this book and emphasized what he has, he writes on page 175, Our object in sharing these truths of the word is that we may be turned from all that God condemned, Two, a deep personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, we're separated from him. We are born in a separated way from him. That's what it means to be dead. When we're dead in sins and trespasses, the word death always means separation. Are you with me? That's what it means. When, uh, when our, our precious sister died last Saturday, it was that her spirit left that frame, that her spirit separated from the frame she's been living in. She doesn't need that frame any longer. Her spirit then went into the very presence of the Lord. That's death. And she's going to have life one day when a new body and that spirit are going to reunite, and that's going to be a resurrection. It's going to be together again. We are born into this world separated from God. I, I like to think of it, and I've said this before, and I'll probably say it other times. Um, if you have, if we are like big radios. We, we have a frequency dial on it, and our frequency dial is turned to 96.3, and that's what we're hearing, 96.3. God is broadcasting at 97.1. You're not hearing him. Why? Because you are separated from him. You're not on his frequency. You're separated from him. It's going to take an act of God where he moves your dial to 97.1, and now you hear him for the first time. You say, what is that about? Oh, my. Now you're in a place where you could trust him, and when you trust him, you're born again. You understand what I'm saying? That's what it is to die. That's what a death is, right? that the object is sharing these, so we're, we're living in death. When we put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he moves us from death to life. 
and you're never going to be able to live from the death guy. You're going to have to be separated from the death guy to the life guy so that you can live. Does that make any sense? Adam is the death guy, and you're never going to live life in Adam. That's why Adam has to die, and Christ has to live. That's who's formed in you now, all right? So the author was writing this so that you could learn how to go from death to life and to live in the life guy, all right? So let's go on to the next, next page there. <clears throat> As he puts it, truth can be very impersonal and ineffective in if, if its ultimate purpose is not realized. So you can hear the truth that you are um, crucified with Christ, nevertheless you live. You can hear that truth, and if it's never realized in you, that just sounds like so many words. It's a theory. It's not real. You have to make that thing real. You have to come to the place where you're saying, I believe what I just said. What, I just said. All right. what we need is the Spirit's application of the full-orbed work of the cross, This will enable us to avoid the sin within and without and to give our complete attention and love to the Lord Jesus. Anything short of this will satisfy neither him nor the hungry heart. So it says here what we need is the Spirit's application. Now all we have to do is figure out how to get the Spirit to make that application. So what do I have to do? You find the Spirit and you bind them. You try to tie them up with a rope or handcuffs or Well, no, you probably won't get to do that. How are you going to do it? You can't do anything but submit. Humble yourself before him. This is his work, and he won't do it in the proud. God gives grace to the, and he resists the proud, okay? So he won't do it to proud proud people. There has to be a point where you surrender. You know you haven't got anything to contribute to this. That's when the Spirit can begin to do His work, okay? Since Jesus promised eternal life to all who believe in Him, it is of great value to know what He meant by eternal life. He defines eternal life in John 17, 3. Here's what He says. And this is eternal life, that they can live a very, very long time. So what yours says? No, the verse reads, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So it's to enter into an intimacy with him uh, that's so close that you, you, are, you can I say, I actually know him. I know what he's about. This is in the same prayer later in his speaking to his father that he defines that eternal life as believers being in a union with him and God the Father. This is a oneness like that which they share. Um, the, the Lord thy God is an echad, is one. He's one. He's a unity. That word for unity, echad, is the same word that was used by Adam when he talked about the, husband, the man and the wife shall be echad. They'll be one. How many are there in a husband and wife? Two. So the two will be in, united as one. When the scriptures say that God is in a cod, that doesn't mean he is simply one. He is three in one. That's, that's being unit, a union. That's the union, he says, you have with him. Wow. Think about that just a minute. Their union is because it's inherent in them. They are united to start with. When they are inviting anybody to be in a union with them, that anybody is a created thing. We can't have the same inherent things that he has. There are parts of God that can't, we can't have, yet God has said he's invited us into this union with him so that we are sharing in some of his divine acts. I say that. Let's, let's look at that next paragraph where it says our union. Our union with him and the Father will be different in that we are not inherently divine. In other words, we're not born with it. 
but are regenerated as divine. We are created things and can we would be him. We're not him. We are things he has created. So when he wants to share with us things that are part of his life, then that part of me becomes like him. All right. So since they are uncreated and those attributes are a part of them, we only share the attributes the Trinity is willing to share with us. These are called in the Scripture the fruit of the Spirit. So would you take your Bibles just for a minute? Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians 5, he says, starting 9, morality, impurity. sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, uh, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if that's our practice, we're not inherit the kingdom of God. Now what? Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and look at these, These are all attributes of God that he is sharing with us. This is what he's willing to share with us. He is going to give us these things. His spirit living in us is imparting these things to us. Here's what he says. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Because that's the attributes of God. Remember, John's going to tell us that God is love. And whoever loves is of God, right? Love, then, is what comes from God. God gives joy. Jesus said to, my peace I leave with you, my joy I leave with you, that your, that your joy may be full. I'm, I'm giving you these things. That's what he's imparting to us. Those are divine. That's, and you have them all. It's not just that he gives you love, and, and then another one he gives joy, and then another one he gives him peace. No, that's the gifts of the Spirit when he's giving each of us a different thing. The fruit of the Spirit is given to all of us, and that's attributes that have been imparted. To us. That's coming because we are in a union with him. He is expecting that those are the things we're going to live by. We're not going to say such things as, I I just can't love that man. Yes, you can. Now, you you may be saying you won't, but that's not the same as you can't. Okay? Uh, Can means that you don't have the ability. And I'm saying, yes, you do. do, I I just can't forgive him. Oh, yes, you can. (laughs) I know you can. You won't, but you can. All right, so there's a major difference there, all right? Back to our notes again. It is this union and regeneration that makes us children of God, for we are made after his kind. You would expect the children of God to be like God, right? Uh, If if you plant corn, what are you expecting to get up? Providing it it germinates, it's going to be corn, right? It's not going to be peas. It's not going to be beans. It's going to be corn because everything is after its kind. So if God's going to give birth to you and call you a child of God, you are going to be the new birth that's recreated us in the image of Christ and the Holy Spirit. in plan that people will be united with him and in that intimate fellowship that the Father and the Son share. It was evidence while our Lord was here on the earth as God in the flesh. Knowing him is the words for a deep intimacy. That's what it means. We're going to know him, Father God, the Son, through God, the Holy Spirit. It is unbreakable and eternal. Well, we can only know the Father 
through the Son of God, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's just in order to emulate. him as our example. In other words, he's not just Jesus' example. Now go imitate that. It's not imitation. It is, as we've written here, confirmation. You're being conformed to that image by the Holy Spirit. You're not supposed to intimate him. Yeah. You're not supposed to imitate him. You're supposed to let him be conforming you. If we try to live the Christian life in the power of the old man, that religious self, and follow him, you're just making fig leaf aprons. Now, granted, you may have updated that and you're using cotton now and not, not fig, or you're using wool and not figs anymore, but you're still doing your own righteousness. <clears throat> if we try to live the Christian life in the power of the old man and follow his leadings as to what makes one righteous, the hateful works of the flesh will inevitably be manifested for all to see and suffer from. This has been borne out so explicitly in church history. So many misguided things have been done by those who thought they were Christians because they were being fed information and sometimes sheer propaganda to appease the elites and powerful. One workens or any conquer. people. Um, and I, I could give you the, if, out uh, in Colorado. Um, yeah, I think it's still in Colorado. Um, this place called Sand Creek. And there was a Sand Creek massacre there. Uh, it was a group of Native Americans that were camped there, pretty much just old men and women. But they'd been told that if they hold up this American group of men, and they went into the Sand Creek, and even though they saw that flag and they knew what the terms were supposed to be, they said the only good Indian is a dead Indian. And so they attacked it. And they attacked it in the name of Jesus. Uh, and the Indian villages said the sweet savor of the smell of their sacrifice was good into the nose of God. The guys, that's getting really confused about what's, what's going on that's right. You understand what I'm saying? All right. Power and domination took the forefront in the lives of those claiming faith in Christ. When you lose your, the person of Christ, you, you've lost it all, and you're headed to perversion or perdition. All right. Our Lord Jesus said, learn of me, his creator. He shared the glory of his Father before the worlds were created. So this is not just somebody that you're, you're looking at Sunday school pictures of Jesus as the guy who's sitting there with kids all around him, and, and he's obviously given a certain amount or whatever else. No, this is the one who's creating everything. He's the one who's bringing all things into existence, all right? All things for him, nothing exists. without him, and he holds in all together by the word of his power. Therefore, uh, for there to be reconciliation of man, God, it must, man to God, it must come through that creator. Then we talk about what he's like in real time. This is in his life on earth. What do we see about that? Um, for actual growth, there's to be an entering into the life via the word, feeding on him appropriating him. Now, 
we have been given four different gospels. Um, they, they share the life of Christ. But in each of those, what we want to do is to start studying them with our heart, not simply our mind. We're looking there to see what's the heart of Jesus. What's Jesus looking like as he's doing this? What's the tender compassion that he's speaking with? How's he handling this? So, and so I've, I've given you four things that were there by your author as well. I won't go into those right now. His life in glory. Make it real that you are seated with him in his glory at the right hand of the Father. Do not limit yourself in your view of Jesus only to his historical life 2,000 years ago. So here's what I'd like to, these are just some thoughts I want to give you. Remember, he is risen from the dead and ascended to heaven. Read the descriptions in Revelation about how he looks right now in heaven. So I'm going to encourage you, you know, go back and read chapter 1 of Revelation. Go back and read Revelation 19 and 20 so that you get a picture of what Jesus looks like now, not, not what he was when he's in his, because that's what he was when he was on earth is not what he is now. That was where he's living a veiled life. He's living in that flesh. He's in a glorified flesh right now. He's, he's the king right now. Carefully consider that you are in him and begin to think his thoughts and desires. Why is he seated at the right hand of God now? What is he doing there? Consider his advocacy for people there against the accusations of the Satan. You have someone who is in heaven now accusing you of being an unbeliever, accusing you of being a sinner worthy of death, accusing you every moment, everything that you say, every thought that you have. He's using that to accuse you before God that that person should die. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who's standing up and saying, wait, Father, he belongs to me. He's in me. I'll deal with him. He's not worthy of death. I've already died. My death has paid for him. That's your advocate. That's what he's doing right now in heaven for us. Uh, consider his intercession for his sheep. Right now he's praying for you that tomorrow and that, that event that's coming up that you don't even know about yet, that you'll stand firm, that you will not be caught up with anger and lose your cool. Uh, that you'll not be caught up with grief and lose your cool, that instead you'll stand firm in the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider his intervention in your life that, he, that you would be true and faithful in the experiences designed to conform to his own image. He knows there's things coming up that you don't know anything about. He knows he has something in mind for you. The Father's planning something for you. He is praying for you that you'll stand firm. That's who you've got that's in heaven right now. Um, consider his character that is running through you as you are in this perfect eternal union with him. Do not think of him as being geographically too far away from you. He's a thought and a prayer away. Consider his patience as he awaits his father's word that the time of his return has come. Remember, Jesus told us he doesn't know when he's coming back. He knows that when the father says go, that's when he's coming back. Think of his patience as he sits there. You say, well, what good does that do me? Plenty. If he can be patient and you're in him, what can you be? You can be, be patient too. All right. If he's in the Father and he's long-suffering and you're facing some situations, you too can be long-suffering, right? Because you're in him. All right. Uh, do you not, do not, uh, I'm sorry, consider his patience as he waits his Father's word. Consider his humility. He is still in a human body and will be for eternity. Wow, guys, he's one of us. And he will be that for eternity. Consider that because of this union upon death, you will be just like him. Set your mind on things that he thinks about. He taught them to us while we were here. Uh, now let us rise above these earthly old man worldly thoughts and think like the new people we are in his image. Then consider his glory, um, his life as sustainer and Lord. Think of his great power that holds every atom in its place, every planet and star in its place in the universe so that there is no collision even though there is no solid structure holding them in place. They are suspended in a vacuum and he holds it together. 
Think of the power that can hold all of it together at one time with all the multiples of inputs and feedback that is coming from them all the time. Remember, uh, was that um, Bruce, Bruce Almighty, I think, that uh, Jim Carrey was in, where he, uh, he says, I'd, I wish I was God. I'd do things differently. And God says, okay, got it. And now he's, he's in his house one day, and all of a sudden, all these inputs start coming in. It's prayers from the people around the world. And he's trying, he's, he, he's, he can't even hear all of them at the same time, let alone answer all of them at the same time. Can you get this? Jesus can. He hears every Chinese prayer, Saudi Arabian prayer, Spanish prayer, Malagasy prayer, all of it, and knows exactly what each one is saying and how to answer it. You're in him. All right? Think of how he can know how to work all things together for the good with his will. As your author says, it is not law ultimately which rules this universe, but God our Father, and he rules it through his Son, our Savior. Human history is not in the grip of fate, but in the hands of him who was pierced for us on Calvary. Um, We were born in Adam. That was the ground of our death. But we've been reborn in Christ, and that's the ground of our growth. So closing up this, uh, 39, summation. Christ's life has come to exchange our sinful life for his righteous one. Redemption is the recovery of the man, not the destruction of the